Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Always Choose Orange. This week I had the privilege of sitting down with one of my favorite authors and communicators, Rob Bell. Rob is the New York Times bestselling author of 14 different books and plays that have been translated into 25 different languages. He also makes really cool visual art out of, typically out of recycled wood, um, awesome abstract paintings, things like that, and you can see that on his Instagram, at RealRobBell. Uh, He also is in a band called Humans on the Floor and has his own podcast called The Robcast, which has been going for over 350 episodes now, and it's really, really good. His newest book, Where'd You Park Your Spaceship? An Interplanetary Tale of Love, Loss, and Bread, book one, Welcome to Furtis, came out earlier this year and is an absolute delight. It is really, really good. We talk a lot about that book in this conversation. We talk about uh, some of the themes that come up in it, like architecture, clothing, teaching. We talk about where the initial idea came from for it. We talk about how he looks um, at fiction. We talk about the craft of writing and how feedback plays into it. Um, Just a lot of really, really good stuff, especially if you are interested in uh, writing or making art of your own. So here it is. My conversation with Rob Bell. Hello, Rob. How are you? There he is. Hi, Alex. How are you? I am doing well. I am uh, out in the Midwest and it is above freezing, so life is good. <laughs> where are you in the world? What, where? Uh, North Dakota. Ooh, that's serious right there. It is. It is. Is that is it, is it colder here than Michigan where you used to be? Great question. I I I have I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> We're jumping in the deep end. Got the hard questions right off the bat. <laughs> well, Rob, thanks so so much for um for hopping on here and, and talking about the new book i listened to uh the newest robcast uh thank you for pointing where you were talking about all the conversations you've been having with people and after listening to that i started poking around youtube and spotify and all that and kind of seeing there's some serious numbers out there and you've been you've been talking with a lot of people <laughs> yeah it's awesome it's so um, fun and like the the coolest thing about it, because I, I listened to a few of them, and this book is what I what I love about this book is that it isn't really a book that you could talk about or analyze. It's like you have to step into it and experience it. And so here we are gonna talk about it anyways. But like I love that about this book is that it's like it's this experience that you step into. And so like the first question that I have is just how how long did it take you to put this together and like was there a moment that the idea first hit you and what what was that like yeah it was a yeah i was it was surreal is one way to say it um it was like middle of the night it's like not asleep and not awake whatever it is in between and a guy's asking this guy where'd you park your spaceship and I remember the night just loving that and being like, well, how does he feel about this question? And instantly being like, oh, he does not like this question. It's like it had a life of its own. It's almost like then just interviewing it and following it. And I'd written a number of plays and another novel. So I'd done some story writing. But this instantly was like, those others were like 2D and this felt like 3D. Like it just right away was like, well, why is he asking about a spaceship? Where is what happened to the earth? And it's like, it, and then it would just, I just started filling a notebook. Yeah. And I'd written a couple other books. So I knew the feeling when you have enough to start typing. There was like, there's like a, there's like a moment when you're like, yeah, I could not type, but we have everything to get going. Um, but this was unusual because like on some days I kind of know where we were headed. Like, oh yeah, in this scene, but then the scene itself would surprise me what else happened in the scene. It was very strange to be writing something that was also surprising. It was like the best ever. It made me just feel like all the other writing was like just a warm up. 
it, it feels like that. It feels like all of them shoved together into like the fullest, fullest Mm-hmm. expression Mm-hmm. of Mm-hmm. it has like this electricity running through it is the way I describe it. Wow. Oh, I love hearing that. It's got, it's got voltage because people have been asking me because I've been telling telling people about it. And when I talk about it, they ask, what is it about? And I just laugh. And it's like, how do you how do you describe what it's about? Like, I kind of end up using metaphors instead of just like, Oh, like what? Like, what would you say? uh, the way that I would describe this book is think about like the 4th of July, right? You're sitting there like in a row and you're watching fireworks and stuff. And someone puts out one of those big one, like fireworks with all the different tubes and the ones that shoot super high and they're I don't know if they're called the mortars or whatever, right? And so these are going off and you're just like, wow, this is incredible. Oh, that one's even bigger. This one's even bigger. And then it stops for a second and you think it's done and it's not done and it keeps going. And that's what reading the book felt like is just, it's one of the densest. It's weird. It's like very light and it's very dense at the same time. And when I use the word dense, it's just like you have these, there's these throwaway lines that you could sit and meditate on for weeks. Um, and yeah. when when he has the dinner those of you listening spoiler alert but too late you're already in too deep um, when he has the dinner with everybody and gets his voice back and then he's walking home like Oh my God, like I almost like he's like happy for the first time. And then Nunier shows up in his bedroom. What were you thinking? What was I thinking? Yeah. When all of a sudden it's like, oh, finally we're okay. And then all of a sudden she shows up. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. Let me, let me look at that for a second. So what, another thing that I love about the book is that it's divided into these four sections and each of the four sections almost felt like a different book, but it, but it still feels like one book. Right. So it's, it's, they, they feel every, like when I finished section one, I, I thought I was figuring out what was going on. I got, I got it. I figured out what this is. <laughs> then part two happens and it, and it went completely in a different direction. And then part three. And then, yeah, when, so when Nunez shows up, I was just, I did not expect it. And I, I, I guess I was just like, she's here to kill him. And I was like, I did not expect this sort of world to, to like, to go like this and where it, where it actually ends up. is more exciting than that um but yeah so i was just i was caught off guard in the good way and that happened frequently throughout <laughs> i love it i love it do you feel like when you're having these conversations with people that it's the type of book where it's almost like you're interviewing the people who are interviewing you well that's what's been so enjoyable is how much i People point out connections and callbacks and Easter eggs that I didn't know, that I wasn't aware of. So it was the first thing I'd made that I was like, oh, I could talk about this and talk about this and talk about this because I'm fascinated with what it did to me. And what it still is doing to me. So listening to what it does to other people is just utterly fascinating. Kind of out of body in the sense of making something that did something to you. But then almost like somebody else, like, what do you, like, and some interviewers have been like, hold on, you're talking like you didn't write this. Because <laughs> it's so, so strippy. <laughs> Did did your plays and Malone's cojones feel like that, or were those kind of a Yeah, different? those were incredibly enjoyable. Just and and so enjoyable that I had almost this like, yeah, but now we have to go back to work. Mm. So so this was required this process like this permission giving because it was coming in so like full. and rich and vital that like it's almost like a kid like is it okay if i just give this what it's asking for can we i just need to 
this is just inviting is tugging on my sleeve with such passion and like intensity. So, so I did have to go through like a, um, okay, I'm going to give this what it's asking for, which then rearranged my whole life. Mm -hmm. Did, when did, or how many, like how many drafts did you go through and how long did it take you? Do you remember from like start to finish? First draft was 750 pages. So it was another half as long as the, the 550 that you have. It's just massive. Um, and then I took out, well, yeah. And then I sat with it for a while. Some friends read it and were like, oh my God, this, like, they were like, this wrecked me. What is that? And one friend said, this is like what it's actually like to be your friend. Cause I didn't know what it was. So I had particular feedback that was like, oh, this is interesting. This, this is so compelling that it's doing to other people what it did to me. And then I went back through and took out, I took out the length of an entire book of one of my previous books. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> That's awesome. And that, was that a new experience for you compared to those previous books of um, having more material than you ended up with? I, I would always edit and edit and edit because I was, I'd always say I want people to actually read my books. But it was always, but this was a whole nother level of like, and then somewhere right away, I was like, oh, obviously this is book one. I was like, oh, you're right. This is book, well, book two, we need to do, you're right. Well, book four. So quickly it was like, okay, we'll do this in book one. Then we'll go here. Like, so it all sort of, it just kept widening. So weirdly enough, you're like editing the first book knowing oh i think this whole section goes here i think this it got like big and wide mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. quite fun that's awesome i love that and that was kind of brings up another question that i had which is um when you send it out for people to get their feedback what like what is your relationship to feedback in your creative process like um what parts do you like how do you determine this feedback is super valuable. I'm going to use this or I'm really glad they shared this, but I'm not going to go that direction. Yeah, great question. Great question. A couple of thoughts. First, I would randomly during writing call a friend and ask if I could read them a scene. So like I remember reading without context, like with 10 seconds of da 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 da, -da and then can I just read it? So an example, when Sir Pong says to them, write a song, mm. I read that to some uh, over the phone and reading it out loud is the number one way I don't even have to their response I could but just reading out loud would be like that works that doesn't it's amazing to me how many things like already your own my own your own knowing is like yeah that doesn't work or yeah that's working and then there if if a scene would work without any them having any larger sense of the narrative, then you're like, oh, that's, oh, interesting. Okay, good. Um, a couple, two different friends who are in publishing and have lots of wisdom were like, well, the action doesn't really start till Nunez shows up. So maybe you could start there and then just some quick backstory. But otherwise, that's because you got to hook your reader. But I, so I sat with that note for a while, like, hmm. But I just kept getting no, you got to meet Keen. You got to meet this narrator way, way early. Like you got to go with him for a long time. And if you go with him the whole way, there's a chance that something might happen to you as it's happening to him, the reader. Um, so that was a, a, that's an example of like, you get notes and you get notes from people who have really good wisdom and instincts and then even then sometimes you're like yeah no i even i even had like multiple versions printed up with a different opened in one way and then opened another even though i just come coming back to the earth didn't make it got brown balled like i just kept going god dude <laughs> cool cool just that's it that's you know what i mean yes
like there's something about an opening line that was like a door. And if you get it, it swings open and you know it. You're like, yeah. So this was distinctly had people like, I don't think it's going to work. And just being like, I think it will. And then I just noticed that it did work for people. Mm -hmm. Isn't that fascinating how that is? It's fascinating to me. And it's fascinating to me. At the end of the day, he's, you know, somebody makes the call. Like creatively. So you could you could farm it out to somebody and they just go, mm, -mm gotta get rid of this. And they go, okay. But then you live with so you can like farm out your own so there's like this stillness in the creative process where you have to get super, super quiet and then take everything you get and notes and feedback and and sit with it quietly and calmly and then decide. And it's easy, super easy to get tripped up in that area. Well, so-and-so doesn't think I should. God, you got so-and-so on your shoulder. It can be brutal. It can just be brutal. <laughs> Is part of it, too, seeing how many people say the same thing? Like, did you get people saying similar feedback over and over, or was it kind of a wide array of perspective? I noticed the emotion, the feeling his his loss the the loss and grief and the people would say like activation like they're like it got me all it was like anguish and hope and but like some sort of bristling kinetic life like you said electricity that which is i mean oh god it's the greatest thing to hear you can make little black etchings on white pages <laughs> you typed like hum oh that's just incredible <laughs> there's nothing like that yeah you're done right? you are you a writer yeah i am i'm, I'm on are. the um and the, the reason that yeah i'm so i'm super interested in the craft which is kind yeah, of see, some... let's just talk crap let's just go because i love it yeah i can tell from your questions you you know about all this stuff <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm on the seventh draft of my first novel. And so um, it was what was really inspiring me about this, too. And, and I heard you mention in a few other podcasts was you were talking about um, how um, in terms of fiction, right, that that you uh, you know, you're saying you don't have the familiarity of like three act structure or seven act structure, or blah, blah, blah. I got to do this and I got to do that. And that's what I, that's what, another thing that I love about about this book. Like you kind of have to hold it up, right? It's like, this, <laughs> like is that what you just said? Like you could have started it where Nunye shows up, and that would have done a whole thing, and maybe that would have followed a more traditional arc or whatever. But the way that it that it is the way that it ended up being is is perfect because the the story becomes about. It's about the universe. No, it's about Heen, but it's about the universe. And yeah, I think like we need that. We needed all of the, that setup for that to mean anything. It's interesting that you say that because I kept I kept having the sense like I was. I imagine you'll have interesting interesting things to say about this. I kept having the sense that I was telling a story. And that even the word novel, there was something like, I don't know what the word is, very mysterious, very energetic about there's a story I'm telling. And it happens to be in book form, but it's a story. And then I noticed when I did the audio book and just, just feeling like I'm just telling you a story. Um, it was like it didn't it was like yeah toss out like a great you're not trying to great write a great novel you're, you're in some other almost like you would hear about like in the newspaper in the 30s and 40s serials where each week or each day a different chapter in the story would come out that's it kept it's like it it, it was like this is a world 
this is a world and a story is taking place in this world. So it's almost like writing a book was like the fourth thing of it. And I've noticed how many people have said that the audiobook is like a whole, like a whole, like, oh yeah, no, the audiobook is almost like a, have done both. And like the audiobook's like even a, more closer to the guts of it or something. So that's, so there's something, there's something about the process where you, almost like each thing you make has all these subtleties and nuances of how it, how you hold it um, and how you're framing it within yourself. Um, that's, I think, and I'll often, when I'm working with people who are making something, I'll ask them questions almost like you're looking for the image or the metaphor or the analogy or the, the picture that there's like what this is. Um, and it's amazing to me how often like a writer or somebody will go, Oh, I, 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 da, da. they'll just give some, and this is just water in the desert. They'll have some image that summarizes this whole thing that gives is like, and then it helps them edit. It helps them to, uh, what to take out, what to put in. It's like they're searching. So I bet if we, had, for you, this, the seven, seven, God, seven drafts, there's some thing at the deepest level you're doing that's probably like a couple words. You could summarize yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. And when you're saying that, do you mean um, like a metaphor for how you want the whole work or how you, I, I guess. Like, not, what's your, like, like, let me ask you this. What's your book about? Yeah. Like plot wise or like, okay. Um, what, well, see, there you go. Notice what's the book about? Yeah. It's about leadership. Oh, interesting. That's the theme. And then the, like what it's about, like on the surface, what it's, happens? it's a comedic fantasy satire where um there's a shepherd boy and his dad fakes his own death because he's so disappointed in him so then he goes off with this uh self-promoting hero to find a magic sheath to save the world from this evil emperor <laughs> and it's hilarious where did it come from it, yeah, it came from when I was 13. I read, it came from when I was 13. So it's not far ago. So I'm 32. It came from when I was 13 and I was in sixth grade and I was reading uh, a fan, a kid, like a kid's fantasy book called Aragon. And I was reading that and I thought to myself, I want to, I want to write a book. And so I, my best friend was like, we should write it together. He drew a picture of, this guy who would be the main character. And he's like, hey, his name's Tolik. I'm like, okay, cool. That's Tolik. And then I just got the first line um, and then just started going. And then I scrapped it right after like two weeks because I had no discipline. I was like 13 years old and forgot about it. <laughs> and then um, my younger brother started writing the sequel to it, even though like I was still writing it. And he never stopped. And so he kept going and he'd write a little bit every month. And by the time I was in college, he was still going. And I, 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 that was the thing I always wanted to do with my life was write books. And so I just kind of got to this point where I was like, I need to, I need to do this. And so I picked it back up and then it became a satire because the original thing was so <laughs> cliche and just the same. It was basically yeah. the same thing. And so, yeah. And then it just kind of jumped off from there. And what's the energy of it? Yeah. Why why does it thrill you? Why why does it hold your attention? Why has it stayed with you or you stayed with it? It's it's kind of it's the voltage. It's like that electricity like I was talking about like yeah. that I get from this book and it's I feel that when I write it and it makes me chuckle and it makes me feel like turning phrases. It makes me feel like I'm a, I'm a hip hop fan and so there's certain um, when like someone uses a double entendre or like a triple mm -hmm. entendre or mm -hmm. something, there's like a thrill that I get from that. And I want this, I want this book to feel like a rap song where you just take these lines and you can just sit with that line for half an hour and just turn that line over in your head. 
um, but that would be like an engaging enough story that has like a sort of current to it too. Awesome. Why is it about, why did you say leadership is your first answer? Yeah, because every character, oh, and there's one part I neglected to mention. It's also a satire of corporate America because I had to get a lot of uh, corporate jobs over the last, not had to, I chose to um, over the last, you know, 10 years. That's how I've been paying the bills while I write all this stuff. Um, and I saw a bunch of things in there that I just wanted to sort of name and but I didn't want to do it in something like the office, right? Like we have enough um, of that, yeah. I felt like. And so I thought it would be hilarious to fuse that with this fantasy novel satire. So it, there's, they're using all this corporate jargon and stuff, but in the middle of this sort of fantasy world. And so it kind of just has that enough disconnect to look at these things in a way that you wouldn't normally see them. So that's kind of how I see it being about leadership. And this, like the shepherding motif kind of has to deal with that. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. That's great. That's really great. Yeah, yeah. So what's interesting to me is how at every level you're asked a question, you can meet, you can see what the book is, where it comes from. In some ways, the book helped you turn it helped you see the game of this experience we're having as humans. Yes. Like I had to get these jobs in order to like become my own patron. So the thing that it would be easy to resent your move to life is not happening to me. I'm happening to life was to take all that and it becomes fuel for the story. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's really great. No, thank you. Um, so with with <laughs> that, then um, there's something that I I thought thought was really cool about the book too is um, there's there's a huge focus on at least I interpreted there being a huge focus on architecture, um, and I've mm -hmm. heard speak on that before, and I love that because that's something that's not mentioned I think enough because spaces are so powerful, and there's this line in there that says spaces shape souls that shapes spaces. And I was wondering if you kind of riff on that for a second and sort of talk about the influence of architecture on your oh work. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, like when they're, he gets that his first job as a staker and they're like building a circle. And so he's learning that how the buildings are set up, how they relate to each other, create something among them. And I, lo I just loved creating a world in which people slowly and carefully thought about buildings, which are basically the largest objects we have, and just how much of the modern world wasn't carefully built or thought through, and how many people are wondering why they're feeling certain ways in certain spaces. And so part of it's like a wanting people to see like these spaces that we're in, like even within a house. You don't read in the reading nook or the reading room. You read over here. You put your keys. You put your keys when you come in the door there. Not like there are all these what they call um, like pattern languages. Is uh, Christopher Alexander, this great architect, talks about. There's an actual way that you live, and so you, a lot of spaces and a lot of houses aren't designed around how people actually live. So becoming more aware of that, and you think about. God, you think about like those chain pharmacies that are square. There's one design because it's the cheapest to build the same thing over and over. It has absolutely no dialogue with the land, the people, the history around it. it looks the same in Boston as Santa Fe or Sioux Falls. It's got tile floor and fluorescent lights. There are no windows inside it, so there's no awareness of night and day it's divorced from its setting so when you go in there most of what's in there if you have a headache you need something so i get it but a lot of it will end up in a landfill in three weeks you can no wonder the modern soul sort of uh as these spaces are like shouting at us nothing nothing matters it all ends up in a dump there is no rhythm 
creation. <laughs> it's like this is all speaking to us. So, and when you do go into a space that like speaks something else to us, you know, people are like, have you been to Barb and Jim's house? Oh my God, what is it about that? You know what I mean? And it, it's, it has almost nothing to do with money. The best backyard I've ever been in has like a couple old chairs under a tree with some candles. My friends who have that backyard hang art outside. So they're like old paintings hanging on like a fence and a, the back wall of the house. They have art hanging like you'd hang it in sort. It's the best. It's like an unbelievable space. And so many conversations have gone on around that fire pit that cost $9. It was welded by an uncle probably. I don't know. Like it's just, you know what I mean? So just becoming aware of this is like really important. Oh yeah, I could talk about this forever. <laughs> I I love that. Do you, so in your own life, when you arrange your spaces, is it something that, because I'm sort of, going down that rabbit hole a little bit, like just trying to like learn a little bit more about how spaces function and kind of feel, feel that in myself. Like when you're arranging your spaces, is it like, do you find it most effective to tap into like your intuition of just moving stuff until it feels a mm -hmm. certain way? Or is there mm -hmm. like intellectual component or is that something? Mm -mm -mm. Avoided? Just feeling it and always removing things remove tons and tons of things and then ask what generally you're giving things away or selling things because you need way less so generally less that seems to be pretty consistent like you think about a clothes closet <laughs> if somebody wants to like their clothes more just give away the bottom 10 percent. just take the bottom 10 percent out and watch how you're suddenly like oh I'm fine or like if you ever are like i need to go get some more clothes go wait no, take the stuff that you don't wear, take it out, and then see if you still think you need. So that's a huge thing for me. And then uh, just a few pieces. I had a really nice desk for 22 years. I didn't have any money when I was 30, and a friend bought me like a very nice, heavy, big, chunky desk, a nice shelf, and I wrote all my books on that desk and that that was like home it was like each day each morning and then when we moved a year ago i was like i'm done with that desk and i was like oh i think i'll go buy another desk i don't even i can't do that right now and then my daughter was like i don't want the doors on my closet when we moved into this house so that's right here is the door so i have these two doors sitting on this uh, ikea sawhorse things and they're my favorite desks ever I can move them around. I can they can like take a beating. I can write on them. The best. I wouldn't no idea how that works. You get a sense. You get a sense of like how it's gonna be arranged next. And then you follow it. So yeah, you're right. There's a large uh, intuition to it of like let's just paint it all white. Or no, let's do a different color in each room. Somehow you get like a sense of what it wants to be. Okay. I love that. Um, um, I would recommend Christopher Alexander's The Timeless Way of Building. I'd start there. You'll be like, wait, what? And as you get into this whole world, or um, Elaine, A-L-A-I-N, Elaine de Bouton, a British writer, The Architecture of Happiness. That might be the best place to start. Okay. I will check both of those out. That sounds awesome because that stuff's fascinating. Like I, you know, never noticed that growing. Well, I did. That's the thing is I think we all know, but mm -hmm. we don't, it's never been named for us. And then yep, once right. it's named, well said. you can't unsee it. Um, once it gets named for you, then you're like, then spaces drive you. It's, it's almost like you're getting better musical pitch and bad notes. Spaces that are, spaces that aren't right just make me insane. Because it's like not, this was just, this was intention and awareness. This was not money. This was not having a, like, gosh, I'll seriously, <laughs> it's awful. Sometimes it's awful to get tuned into something because then the. <laughs> yeah, you can't unsee it. Like you I read the book called uh, The Soundscape by this, uh, what was his name? It's right over here on my show. 
uh, R. Murray Schaefer. And it's this book about, uh, so he used the, he coined this term, the soundscape, which is just the landscape of sounds in any particular place. And so for a while, I could not stop hearing all of just the like, he calls it noise oh. pollution, like just the loudness of yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And I got to the point where like you were just describing with with architecture and spatial arrangement with sound, where it was just like, I cannot stand on the street. Yeah. Like it's trying yeah. Like you just want to yell in the parking lot to some guy, like, put your seatbelt on, man. Yeah. Beeping is the dumbest noise. Like, yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Or the intercom in certain stores. You know, like purchasing to I don't think that that oh. He was talking about how every like couple years sirens get louder and louder because they have to be heard over all of the urban. Oh, horrible. Yeah, crazy. But I love that you bring awareness to that type of stuff um, in this book. And one of the other things that that kind of what you were just describing um, sparked something was when you're talking about the closet. Right. So I was thinking about Dill Tud and his clothes. <laughs> which I love. And uh, <laughs> there's a part where um, Heen is sort of reflecting on clothing and he's talking about like, I think like thread count and texture and all yeah. this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was just curious about all these details in this book. Was there ever a point where you started writing a scene and said, wait, I need to go down the rabbit hole yes. and like research and stuff. Yeah. So this, I write on this computer, which is the old family computer that no one wants that, that, and I don't have internet on it, so there's no distractions. And I took, I literally took it into the repair place. I'm like, can you take everything off of this? So all I can do is pages. Um, so that's this old thing here. But there are for sure times, yeah, when I'll be like, oh yeah, I need to do a, I need to, I need to do a crash course on fabrics and sewing. So then I just go to the this laptop I'm talking to you and go on the interweb and just inhale. Mm -hmm. And I'm and I am doing that now about the next books. There's like there's a very obscure thing that I was like, all of a sudden like, oh of course, and I'll and I'll I'll make myself I laugh very hard when I'm like, oh yeah, we're gonna do a little of that. So then I'll just give a crash course, and I'll be looking at Google Images and I'll be <laughs> just enough to be dangerous. Yes, yes. And I don't know or like the when Dill. Tud is showing them there's all shelves full of all that stuff and he's going off on turmeric stubby nubby little orange like just to learn all just to like crash course all that mm -hmm. or I'll, like lists of names because all the names are the names are made up so I'll just make lists of names or like or I'll like at the end of a Marvel movie when there's like 5,000 people in the credits, I'll stay or I'll go get one of those on the TV, go to the end and then sit there with a notepad and just notice different ways letters are arranged in names that I've never seen. And just some of them, I'll just write them out just from my brain. Mm -hmm. Or like, like an Iceland, Ushar, Svirir, Olafar, Olafsan, Dutir. Like I'll just learn tons and I'll just say and learn tons and tons and tons of words just so they're in there and they're rattling around and that's where the stuff comes up. <laughs> the, the names are on point. I think Bobby Freelance has to be top three name of all <laughs> I think you'd be happy to know that we just released in the where'd you park your sport store a t-shirt that says in big letters you just got bobby freelanced yeah gotta get that <laughs> oh, good. i did not think that you could top the names in this ah uh, you did <laughs> there's some good names in that too good like the banishak uh, or however you pronounce mm -hmm. the it's like that sounds like a real mountain it's like yes i totally believe this yeah yeah of course yeah that's the best is when it's completely insane and just absurd and you're like but weirdly you're in like you buy it <laughs> totally believable um another thing that i noticed too like aside from architecture that was a big 
theme or a reoccurring sort of thing in the book was the like teaching was just how many incredible teachers are in this universe. And like the teachers in this book are what teachers I just I wrote down like because I wrote a few notes, right? To like remember the stuff that stood out to me. I wrote down like what teachers could be or can be, and then teachers at their highest potential, because that's really what like you know, Sir Pong and uh, Mayor Dobie and uh, they're just, they're teachers at the highest level. And I was curious what, if, if you can remember what sort of, cause like, at least my experience is most people are trying to teach the same way, like the classic, what you would expect from sort of the school system. There's a certain way that we've been raised, I guess, to think of what teaching is. And this is totally different than that. And so I was curious if you have, particular people or particular moments where you were present to teaching doesn't have to be this thing that everybody thinks it has to be like there's a potential for so much more what a great question because i love when heen's dad is like you know it didn't used to be like this he's like what do you mean he's like well just what what is education to you and he's like it's dangerous it's subversive it's unpredictable whatever i love so so one of the things that was so enjoyable in this is just to describe a world like without any shoulds or finger pointing or what if just just describe the world it's interesting to me how many people all you do is just describe a world and it has this unsettling strangely invigorating like wait we could do that you know what i mean yeah we could do that <laughs> yes so there's no um like I had an art teacher who had us read magazines upside down so that you would see images. And I had a, an old school Spanish teacher in eighth grade from, is it Catalan? Catalan? She spoke a particular kind of Spanish and she was like an old school drill sergeant. And um, so I had all kinds of different teachers from reading upside down to like just rigorous memorization. But what's interesting in the book is that not, nobody was inspired. None of the characters were, oh, this is my friend so-and-so. It was like a trap door or like a kill switch is how I would describe it. Like I couldn't, nobody is like a, oh, that's so-and-so. It didn't work. Story just would seize up if I tried to like write somebody into it. Mm. And even literally a friend of mine was like, Hey, that one character, that was a nod to me, the name. Right. And I was like, no, I never even considered. I was like, no, I never even considered that had anything to do with you. Truthfully. Yeah. And then like a month later I was like, Oh my God, of course that was like a reference to her. Mm. But, but literally almost like the subconscious right is so i can't even tell you what the story like what the there's very little of it that i could tell you where i got it it all because it just felt 100 percent new and fresh but then i'm assuming that it's obviously all referenced from somewhere because my because my wife read it and was like yeah she's like all of it i can just see where you got all of it and i can't yeah yeah so i don't understand this this it was like an adventure in the subconscious it was like the subconscious for me which is a huge experience of like a whole world just below the surface letting it speak and it was like it had lots to say but i didn't even understand what it was doing yeah i love that i've heard it described as compost where you kind of take in all this stuff and then it composts in you mm. and the story grows out of this compost mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, where you can't even i can't even trace it back some, some of it I can, obviously. Some of it I'm like, oh, yeah, I know where I got that joke. But a lot of it I don't have any idea. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> it is weird. Do people always ask you, too, like, because this is an annoying question, I feel like, as an author, do people always ask you, which character is you or which character is this person? A couple people, and I have absolutely no answer. Right, yeah, because they're all, they're all us, like, and not. <laughs> yeah, that would, be, that would be boring. So I was like, well, this is me. That one, that's, oh, like that story. <laughs> that's what the memoir is for.
<laughs> yeah, I'll just say that. If I had to, if I wanted to say that, I'd just say that. Wouldn't like. <laughs> oh, there was another line, like continuing the vein of like the sort of the teaching trail, uh, that really hit me as like a, a summary of kind of what we were just talking about, which is the on, I think it's on page twelve. There was no tests in his class, only experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so good. Yeah, where he's like, it wasn't building towards anything. Like there was no like, oh, you better know this. It was just the series of something. It's almost like the teacher had surrendered needing any of it to stick, which therefore made it stick more than ever. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the power at least in my experience, like the power of fiction is it, it, ha it doesn't have that. Well, okay. Some of it does, um, but you know, a lot of fiction doesn't have that sort of pointed. This is the moral you're supposed no, to. No, no. Why keep it right. It, it, you're immediately like, Ugh. yeah, just if you feel, if you feel the writer pushing something on you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then I was continuing down that line of thought and I was thinking about like the, no tests, only experiences, the teaching stuff. And I'm on my second read through of the book because I read the, um, the ebook and that, cause I had ordered the other one and it hadn't come yet. And then, so the physical one came and I'm, I'm a big physical book person. So yes. I got the physical book and was like, I'm reading it again and I'm reading through again. And I was trying to look at all the aspects of teaching. And then I realized everybody is a teacher in this universe. And he sees people like, he kind of goes through this transformation of seeing everybody as a teacher kind of at that beginning part too, where he thinks everyone's interrupting his job. And, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. what a great point. Yeah, you're right. And I love how Ziga may, and she's like, what were you doing? And she's like, eh, I don't know. And they're all like, no, no, she's like, she's like the best, but she's like almost like resentful. Like, I don't know. I just, she was, the guys down there weren't talking to other, so I just got down from the roof and went over there and confronted them. Like, she's almost like, don't ask me. I don't know how it works. I just had to, like, straighten them out. He's like, what do you mean straighten them out? What do you mean set them straight? What? Yeah, even, like, the best one of them all is like, I don't know. What are you talking about? <laughs> what a great observation. You're right. Yeah, 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 there you go. Which is how I see the world. Everybody's your teacher, so it's fascinating. Oh my God, this is why I love doing these interviews. I never saw that. Wow. That was going to be my next question too, but you already answered it. Is I was going to ask you, well, it's pretty evident, but I was going to ask you about you, you know, you clearly see all the people that you come into contact with as teachers. And I was curious if. Sometimes they're also just super annoying. Get out of my face. Sometimes I'm just like, ugh, God, this person, seriously. Teach us what not to do. Just important. Just important to note. That you can love everybody and you don't have to like them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, you were saying something. No, 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 no. Um, it was the same thing that you were just saying. Because I think you had described it once. I think that I think it was a Robcast, the South Star, where it's mm -hmm. some people are mm -hmm. no, no, no. I'm learning from you what not to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so. Then another thing that I brought up or that I thought that I thought about that I wanted to bring up was there's these these real people. And I had to look them up because I had not heard of any of these people, these real people from Earth that Keen is learning about. Um, and there was, I think, three. There might be more. But I was curious about. So Deborah, I might be pronouncing the names wrong, but Deborah Surly, Joshua Slocum and the last one I might pronounce wrong, but Goran Krop. I was curious about uh, like. I guess just like talking more about that, like these are these are the people that that are remembered from the earth, which I love because they're not remembering like Steve Jobs or like Elon Musk or like these people that everyone in current society would think of like, oh, you know, a thousand years from now, if we're still around, here's who's going to be remembered. Like it's these people who did these incredible <laughs> expressions of like physical things or like just outrageous imagination too. Like I was curious as to like, how you kind of saw them popping up in the book. I know. I don't even know how they made their way in. I think it's literally, it's just like Gordon Crop wrote a book called uh, 
ultimate high or utmost high or something high. That is the his account his first hand account of riding his bike. Just so awesome. Why somebody would I don't know what that is. That's like literally that's the play of it. That's the that's just putting stuff in for the sheer ridiculous joy of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and and even when she get the one, the owner of that bookstore gives him her theory. Like I think it, you captains, you pilots seem to be the ones who are the biggest Earth readers. And he finds out it's a thing. He's like, "Wait, that's a thing." She's like, "Yeah, it's a thing." She's like, "It probably has something to do with how vast the universe is." So you like things, and she gives him like a really like a very believable theory, and he's like, "Yeah, no." Nah. Even though you can tell he's like, "Yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's a pretty good explanation." <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of stuff where I don't, I don't know why that. Well, like his Earth readerness. It's I th I thought it was it was very compelling to me to have these remnants of the Earth sort of floating. Or like when Heen says, and then there was a library, which is the biggest building in the center, of course. Like the way that he describes things, like. Yeah, just like as it, he's not aware there's any other way to do it, which to me all feels like a commentary on the earth. You know, or like, what's he call it? Horse, horse music at one point. He's like, yeah, I think they were playing horse music. And you realize he's describing classical music because someone told him that horse hair is on a bow. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that was really fun. It was really enjoyable too. It was really fun to. To see like what what it's almost like little shards sort of float in from what does get remembered from the earth to me was its own story within a story of who knows like you think about Van Gogh who sells like what do you sell two paintings while he's alive yeah, so you think about how many things the story is yeah nobody appreciated that at the time then the person died then the whatever ended and then it gained a whole new life. And like, I think also what's cool about the book is what isn't remembered. Like there's certain things where they're doing stuff like, okay, so was the beautiful game soccer? Or yeah, was yeah. It made mm -hmm. Okay, that's, that's what, what I thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So around the world, it's called the beautiful game, which I just, this is really fun to me. Yeah. I never call it soccer. But soccer players are like, oh yeah, the beautiful game. Okay, I didn't know that was because I, I I like soccer, but I've never played it and I I don't follow it. So yeah, I was just looking at that and I was like, oh okay, I think they're, I think that's yeah. Certain things are just straight up, just put them in for fun. They're yeah. just that's how it should be remembered. <laughs> it, there was another um another aspect of that that I thought was really cool where, um, the book I think it was Heen was reflecting on um the was it the charis the charis where the charis, the Mary? Yeah, charis yes yeah i have no idea where mary comes from <laughs> yeah that part was hilarious <laughs> but like there's this riff where um i'm trying to figure out i wrote down what it said but it was talking about um oh how people on earth they're like flat he's flabbergasted that people have never witnessed a birth or a death before um yeah i was curious about i just wanted to talk a little bit more about that because that's really that was really profound to me because um, until I had my kids, I'd never, you know, been present at a birth and I've never been present at a death. And I would imagine too, like, just with, you know, like the line of like work that you've done, you've probably been present in a lot of things like that. You've seen a lot of emotional moments. The closest I ever came to a death was my grandma was a couple hours before she died. I was in the room when it feel, feels like Elvis has left the building yeah like she was breathing kind of but it was there was this sense that some something had left yeah it was like a very very powerful moment yeah yeah it was yeah that was just that was just an interesting because it was kind of talking about how on the earth earlier right like so in our like human history like up until pretty recently like that was commonplace yeah and yeah yeah and you end oh. up fearing the unknown. Yeah, that was that was that was great. I yeah, I, I thought that was a nice a nice that's rip. A, that's again, 
like I didn't know that creating a world would have its own kind of hidden power. It was doing that to me to just create, just to, this is how they would land a planet, this is how they would set it up, this is what would be in the top. Just describe it very matter-of-factly. It just kept showing me how powerful fiction, how real fiction is. Yeah. How you're just making up a world and yet it somehow is a direct line to your own world in a way that being in your own world and just saying very straightforward things about your own world doesn't have anywhere near that doesn't have anywhere near the power of making up a whole entirely other world. That's really trippy, really powerful. And I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, like you said earlier, it makes us think, Oh, we could do it that way. Like if you just go like, here's a long list of how we should do it. Huh? And then you just describe this world very straightforward about how they do it. And you're like, Whoa, wow. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, that really struck me in the writing. I'm excited to see where the series goes because <laughs> so for, for most of the book, um, without being, you know, too, I, well, I guess spoiler. spoiler. Um, but uh, just like at first I thought this is utopia, like they've made utopia. And mm. then kind of as you, as you go on, it's, it's definitely, got a lot of strengths that I think the current earth may not have in, at least in where, where, you know, in a lot of areas. Um, but then by the end, there's kind of this underbelly of that, of what it takes for that to be maintained. And yeah, I was. It's the twist. It's the twist under the twists. Yeah. Behind the twists. Yes. Twists all the way down. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And so is that something, and, is that something that like you think might come out in the future, like expression of this story? Like, do you, and again, I know you're discovering it, but like, do you see that being something that plays into the future? And that's a great question. Hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. There's always an interesting a story it's almost like like this story it asked to be so particular so like even when they end up on Furtis in the bakery I remember noticing oh the whole universe gets shrunken down to this small group of people in this bakery yeah but then the whole universe is found in this small group of people in the bakery so when it's like what larger things do i want to like larger statements about society and culture and ecology or whatever that people get out of a story it's great but i'm like following these people mm. so even the earth didn't make it was just because a guy asked a guy about a spaceship well there are spaceships are they on earth no what happened to earth it's just it, it literally that isn't a point about ecology it's giving you some background so you know why these people you know what i mean that's how it works for me yes and i think also it's because my previous work was so heavy on teaching and explaining yeah that's part of perhaps what you're feeling in the book is me untethered from having to explain anything which i've been doing for 30 years so there's a certain sort of joy and like taking the car out taking a new car out for a drive <laughs> um because for so long explaining was everything has to make sense or you lose people and all of a sudden it's like wait none of this has to make sense only question in any moment what happens next who's there who do we meet what do they say what happens? What do they say? What are they wearing? What colors Dill Tud's outfit? Who says, like, it's a very immediate present. It's anti-conceptual. It has no time for ideas. 
It's just people having experiences. And then anything about architecture or anything about economics or anything about the floor check and the ceiling check is just so you understand why Ziga May and Philippe are having a discussion. It's oh, because there was an economic thing because the teacher taught the kids. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how it works for that's it's some something for me about I did that for years. Yeah. Explain things. Not that interesting anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did it is it did it just get to a point where you just felt kind of in your heart like I'm done explaining stuff? Like did, did it start feeling like a burden? Yeah, it's a, it kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely as part of it was like oh when I would do the plays or the first novel, the other novel. It was like, oh, what if this is actually my, it was just felt like coming home. So I just had to, what a wonderful thing I got to do for all those years. Maybe I'll just do this now. Who knows? Because I could do, because it was like, oh, this feels like, oh yeah, I could do this for a long time. <laughs> it's fascinating how our lives unfold like that. Yeah. And like, there was, because like, there was a pretty decent, um, at least on the outside, right? Like span of time between sort of your last teaching book and then I would say like where you're at now. Yeah. Like, did that transformation happen in that? Mm -hmm. I'm yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, yeah, for sure. 21 and 22. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the past three years. Yeah, Huge. cool. Because even like everything is spiritual started like, right the precursor to this like because i was it was a really cool experience reading that book because it was it was it felt a lot like this but in a different way right because obviously like you were you were talking about your experiences yeah. and stuff but like that extended like you described it i loved how you described it like that ex i forgot the exact words but the extended riff on you know all, i forgot the terms you used after that but like the phrase extended riff i was like yes and the, this book continues that and sort of is the full expression of extended riff. Yeah, yeah. A couple of people, a couple, a couple of interviewers have said that. Oh yeah, isn't it interesting now that everything is spiritual? Is almost like a wrapping up the first half of your life. Yeah. If you just kept ideas, 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 and then a narrative that helps us understand the life behind all those ideas. Uh, wrap that up now whole world from scratch yes yeah a couple people saw saw it like yeah that's that, that this is like a yeah the arc makes sense yeah and well and i love it because like like to me that's that's what makes it fun to experience art it's just to see yeah later evolve like we don't like we, nobody wanted to see the beatles do the same thing for 10 years straight can you imagine if they would have done the same thing for 10 years nobody would be talking about them now right Right. You follow the evolution and then when you're done, you're done. Yep. Yeah. And I love that. Like, and yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to see because um, it's inspiring to me too. Like, as I, you know, I haven't yeah. like released stuff and don't have all that out there, but that's like the trajectory. And like, I want to be able to do the same thing of just like, you just follow where it goes and you make the stuff that lights you up. Yeah. You're 32. I, my first didn't book, book did not come out till I was 35. Oh, wow. Okay. You're yeah. way ahead of me. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't as advanced as it then like like this book I did all myself like you now the tools are there like you can write a book and publish it and make your own imprint whatever right do that and you're talking to a friend and you can just like I'm the just pull out your phone and send them your book and a day later, it's on their front steps. It costs you like seven bucks or something. So like you could just, yeah, yeah. Ten years from now, you could have like a whole shell that you made. Yeah. No, yeah, you're totally right. Was it nice doing it all yourself? Um, like I would imagine I there's pros and cons, but I would assume, was it pretty free? I loved it because I had very specific ideas that I'd always, like every publisher I'd always said, Big font. I want the book to have a big font, so psychologically, someone opens it up. But no, but that's more pages. That's more money, less profit. So yeah, for the first time I got to do a big font. So these things like matter. Yes, they they've always have mattered to me. But then when I got to do them, I was like, 
oh, it actually matters as much as I thought it did. Right. I, I love that. that. Yeah, because like, and that's like something that I love about all your work, and I think it comes out really clearly in your written work, is it's it's always been non-threatening. And what I mean by non-threatening is physically, like the way it like, mm. is, yeah. or not intimidating, maybe threatening is the wrong word, but not intimidating, where no matter how much you're packing, because it says a lot, like all of it, like, um, but it's not in, it's not intimidating to look at, especially things like drops like stars, like that's like that was a cool experience. The coffee table version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. I was curious too. That actually just reminded me. Did you um do you type your drafts or like do you handwrite ever too? Or do you kind of... uh, drops like stars was actually the one book that was handwritten. Okay. Otherwise, type type with a big font. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what size are we talking? Do you, do you know? <laughs> I was curious. Yeah. Because when you were talking about the font, I was like, huh. Let's see. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Wait. We can actually, this is the beautiful thing. We can. Um... We can. 18. Nice. Okay. Is that, is that big? Yeah. Is 18 font big? Yeah. <laughs> that's, about, yeah that's about right. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Um okay. There was another Yeah, yep. I got let's do let's do a couple let's do one more. Yep, yep. Um let's see. What are yeah, let's go this direction. What are some of your favorite fiction books that you've ever read? You know Dave Eggers? Yes. I love Dave Eggers. There's a Irish writer. Is it Tana? Tana Wood? Tana French. An Irish like crime thriller, psychological thriller writer. I love um, there's a there's a Brothers K by is it David James Duncan? What's his name? Getting his names are coming back to me. Uh, those are all a We the Drowned is a Danish seafaring novel. Um, yeah, I can think of novels over the years, fiction that just, oh, just loved it so much. That's awesome. Well, cool, Rob. Thank you so much for coming on here and talking about the book. And I'm I'm looking forward to where everything goes in the future. Yeah. I love it. Yes, such great questions right away. Like three minutes in, I was like, I think he's a writer. I love it. It's so much, isn't it so much fun to talk about the craft? It is. And how stuff, why words on a page mean so much to us. Yeah. Fascinating. It just, it just does not cease to fascinate me how it, like how you, how that can happen on a page. I'll never understand how it works. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Who knows? All, well, all the best Thank for you. you. Thank you. That's just, I'm cheering you on. That's great. Thank you. I appreciate it. You too, Rob. Then you'll have the next one. Then your brother will have one. There'll be another one. It'd be great.